Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzymski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, uh, joined as always by Tom Dorian, my Thank co-host. You. Thank you. How you doing, Tom? I'm well, and you? I'm doing great. Good. And you know what? I, you never know who's going to wander in. It's we, a beautiful thing, isn't we it? Got, we got another great guest today. We're in the right place lately. Have you Ex- noticed that? Exactly right. Well, the luxurious corner booth is the place to be. It just has a draw. we got another big fish, another big Catholic I know. fish. I know. And we're lucky to have him here. It's Father Robert Barron. Father Barron, welcome to the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. I am delighted to be with you. It is a cool booth. That's right. <laughs> and we're going to get you some French fries. I know you're a big yes. fan of French fries. We're going to bring those things over I'm here I'm a little for hungry, you. so I'm going to have some uh, fries during the conversation. Good fries here. Very good. Exactly right. Well, so we have, uh, we have food for body, but also food for soul here. And so we're going to talk about that's right. that. And, you know, I, most people know you most recently because of that beautiful, awesome Catholicism series that came out recently. They're just fantastic. Just made everybody who wasn't Catholic wish they were and made everybody who was Catholic glad <laughs> they were. Uh, or those who had left, sorry they had left, and maybe even brought a lot of folks back to this beautiful, wonderful, mystical body of Christ we mm-hmm. call the church. So for that, we thank you. It's an awesome gift uh, well, that you're you gave welcome. to us. It was a great joy. I worked with a wonderful team of people. We started filming in 2008, and we all had the sense when we were working on it that it was something important. We knew that. And um, we went all over the world, 16 countries. It was an adventure. What was the impetus for all this? I mean, obviously, we're, we're called to spread the gospel. We're called to preach. We're called to yeah. teach. We're called to do all these things. We want to build up the kingdom of God here on earth. We know that. But why did you decide this? What we need to do is a 10-part series that just shows in this great beauty what we are as church. Well, once I got into media, and that meant you know, sermons, first of all, on the radio, and then it meant some DVDs and all that, I thought, well, what's the biggest and best way to do this? And I thought, well, it would be this. It would be a world-spanning documentary that would not only talk about the faith, but would show how beautiful it is. And I told the the staff early on, I said, what I want is for this to be PBS quality. Right. Not so much the content there, but I want the quality of the production to be PBS. So you're going to have a big yellow bird and all that kind of stuff in there? No, not not quite all the way at PBS. But I want it to be the kind of thing that would appear on PBS. So one of the great graces of it is when we finished... You know, we said, well, what do we have to lose? Why don't we send it to PBS in Chicago, the local one? And they took it. They said, we think it's beautiful. We'll show it. Then they syndicated it, and 250 PBS channels picked it up. Wow. One thing I was delighted by, then EWTN played, you know, the um, the other six. There were four they played on PBS and then six on EWTN, and someone said, I think it's the only program in history played on both PBS and EWTN. Yeah, wow. isn't that amazing? Because they tend to be mutually exclusive uh, <laughs> Sometimes. channels. So it was all, it was just the grace of God that we felt. So you're talking about media, and we've mentioned media several times, and a lot of people also know you from Word on Fire, uh, yeah. that wonderful ministry. Tell us about that and how th- this connects, because obviously... You know, we live in a, a, a media-saturated culture. This is where yeah. we're getting all of our information from. I was joking with somebody uh, recently about, you know, well, if Jesus was here now, uh, would we be reading, like, uh, an email from St. Paul to the Colossians? Yeah. Uh, you know, a Why tweet not? from Jesus. Right. But absolutely. We're on fire started with, um, I'll tell you exactly how it started. Uh, I was out to lunch with a friend of mine, an older priest friend in Chicago, who himself had done some media when he was younger. And I was complaining over lunch about how Catholics have dropped the ball, 
Fulton Sheen was the pioneer, then we didn't you know, follow up, and now our Protestant friends are so much better than we are at radio, TV, blah, blah, blah. So he said to me, but what are you doing about it? Ah. And I was a professor at the seminary at the time, writing books, and I was traveling around giving talks. I said, well, what can I do about it? I'm a, I'm a professor. And he said, well, then stop complaining about it. <laughs> and so, Always the challenge. Yeah. But that was a moment of clarity for me. So I went down to a WGN radio, which is the biggest radio station in Chicago. And I just said, hey, you know, for fun, tell me, how much would it cost to get on for a sermon program? They said, well, we have a, a time slot at 5.15 Sunday morning for, <laughs> for 15 minutes. And it would cost you $50,000 to get on for the year. So, okay. I went to the parish where I was helping out at the time which is a wealthy parish. And I told them exactly what I told you, that same story. I said, if I can get $50,000, I can get on the radio and we can start something. So they did. They gave me, they raised the money. And then the next couple of years, I did the same thing. And then finally a parishioner said to me, hey, you should have a, a website to house these sermons. And my honest-to-God response was, what's a website? Oh. I didn't know what it was at the time. <laughs> what do you mean, what's a website? So I got my basic instruction. And then he provided the money, and we got this website established. Now, I have to say, uh, this idea of media and tying uh, the gospel message and using the media, but also seeing the gospel message in, in much of the media. Uh, recently, my wife and I went to uh, that uh, World War Z zombie movie. Oh, yeah. yeah. And uh, we, we enjoyed the zombie movie. We had a good time at the movie. And afterwards, I remember her remarking, you know, the coolest thing about that is we're not big zombie fans or anything, <laughs> but we, you know, we went for escapism, I think, that night. The coolest thing was how those zombies, like, moved. It was so unique and different. We thought, that is really cool. But what we didn't put together was, like, you could actually take that and find some kind of spiritual uh, theme there. And and then the next day she goes, look what I found on Word on Fire. And and here you are talking about, you know, this is sin moving through our world, moving through our lives in in waves, you know, that it pours in. It Mm. crashes up against walls. It destroys everything it touches. You know, and then the blood of one man, right, yeah. it becomes salvation. So it's kind of cool to be able to see how media, even media you might think would be either objectionable or outside the realm of possibility yeah. of the gospel. And you see this on Word on Fire. That's been a big part of our ministry is to reach out to the culture in that more positive way, to look at what's going on in popular culture and say, hey, that's actually an interesting echo of the gospel or what. Maybe church- not a perfect one, no, right? right. Right, and the church fathers called them logoi spermaticoi, the seeds of the word, which you can find in the culture. So that's the approach I've used. And what I was struck by in, in World War Z was just that, that this idea of sin as a contagion, which is deep in the Catholic tradition. It's not just something you imitate. It's more like a disease that you catch, and then we become, indeed, the walking dead. Right. That we're not living the life we're supposed to live. This deified life of, of the sons and daughters of God Instead, we're like zombies, like the walking dead, and we infect each other with this disease of sin. And then, right, there's kind of a salvation motif going on of a sacrificial love which gives rise to hope. So the Christian motif is all over the place. And I think part of our job is to say, hey, look, there it is. And then to draw somebody in you know, who might never think about that, but, heck, they like this goofy zombie movie. But there is something in the zombie movie that speaks of the gospel. Fantastic. Well, we have more to talk about here with Father Barron. Uh, before we do that, I want to remind folks at home that we have a wonderful website, www.thecatholiccafe.com. Also, I'd love to hear from you. Send me an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back after this. I'm Bess Drzemski. 
And this is another great moment in church history. St. Thomas Aquinas was born in 1226 AD in the region of Aquino in Italy. At the tender age of five, his family placed him under the care of the Benedictine monks of Monte Cassino. As he grew, it became quite clear to his teachers that St. Thomas was not the average boy. He excelled not only in learning, but also in virtuous living. When it came time for St. Thomas to choose his direction in life, he announced that he would disavow himself of worldly things and become a Dominican. This did not make his family happy, as they had other plans. Still, at the age of 17, he joined the Dominican Order in Naples. This upset his family to such a degree that they even resorted to sending a woman of ill repute to try and tempt him out of the order. St. Thomas prayed for perfect chastity, and God granted him that he not fall into temptation. For this act of perseverance, St. Thomas is known today as the Angelic Doctor. As a Dominican, he continued his studies at Cologne. It was there that he became known by his nickname, the Dumb Ox. You see, St. Thomas was very quiet and a very large man. But it was soon to be realized that this dumb ox was not dumb at all. Quite the contrary. St. Thomas Aquinas was actually quite brilliant. His grasp of spiritual matters, philosophy, the sciences, and natural law set him apart from the rest. In fact, while still 22 years of age, he was appointed to teach there in Cologne. Not solely a great thinker, St. Thomas was also a spiritual giant. He answered God's call to become a Dominican priest. He was known to be a wonderful, faith-filled priest whose preaching bore much fruit in his lifetime. Throughout his life, he was offered many high positions of great dignity in the church, but he always politely refused them. He chose instead to pour himself into his priesthood into his studies, and indeed, into his great contemplation of life's meaning and purpose. Perhaps his greatest gift to the church was his Summa Theologica. Though never completed, his Summa has proven to be one of the single most important and influential treatises concerning the Catholic faith. It is studied, referenced, and heralded to this day. St. Thomas Aquinas was one of the greatest and most influential theologians of all time. His feast day is celebrated by the Universal Church on January 28th. I'm Bess Drozimski, and this has been another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, and we are still joined here by my co-host, Tom Dorian. Thank you. Great being here. And I see you're finishing off Father Barron's fries. How can you not? Look at those things. <laughs> those are good. Golly. I, 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 you're spoiled the whole third-class relic thing, though. It's fries. What do you, what do you expect? That's right. They're, they're calling to you. I understand <laughs> that. Father Robert Barron is here with us. Father Barron, we're talking about this idea of media and how we can spread the gospel with media, but then also how we sometimes see the gospel reflected in a lot of the, the common media that we experience. And sometimes we pull that good stuff that's, that's yeah. maybe even in the midst of some of the stuff we might think is bad. And that's right. And there's a bit of a risk in that, you know, because the culture is always a mixed bag, both good and bad. I think it's worth the risk, though, to look in there and find what echoes the uh, the gospel. But it's always a bit of a, of a struggle. Because um, at times the church has to say no. The church has to say, right. look, that's a... That's a demonic face of the culture. Mm-hmm. That has to be challenged. But 
if we just say no all the time, we can seem, you know, censorious. So I think it's important to do both. And then also there's this, this idea that we don't want to totally shut off uh, one whole aspect of, of which is the, the bulk of really of communication, especially amongst the young folks right. these days. I mean, this is how they're talking. My kids are bringing me YouTube clips that, Dad, look at this dog that, you know, can yeah. do somersaults. And, that, and that's all great, but that's how they're, they're learning things. YouTube, I really do think, has been a gift for the church. And hmm. go back to 2006, I think, when it started. I got a donation and the person said, do something creative with this. So YouTube would just come into being. And I said, well, why don't we try it? Let's do commentaries or Catholic take on whatever and put them up on YouTube. We had no idea if anyone would watch. Would my mother watch? I had no idea. So we did this thing. And they weren't that hard to produce. Just me, you know, uh, talking about something. And... Up they went, and now I don't know. It's like eight million downloads. Wow. Yeah, yeah, isn't it incredible? It's wow. incredible. So we just we've done a, you know a couple hundred of them now of uh, comments on all sorts of things, but they've been remarkably successful. And as you say, people can get it. They put it on Facebook. They send it to all their friends. Uh, a grandfather can send it to his grandson. You know, hey, this friend of mine is really struggling with the new atheism, and here's a quick right. you know eight minute video. They're not going to read a treatise right. you know, of, of 100 pages, but they might watch an eight-minute clip. I try to base mine on my columns. So I always do a, a weekly column. So it, it's, I hope, you know, well thought out, well structured. And then we, we basically uh, do a video version of that. Right. So I sit down and sort of talk the column out. So I know that they're going to be short, but they're also going to be, I hope, substantive and well thought through. Right. And it's that combination I think is uh, effective. Yeah, that's great. And they are, by the way, just so you know. You don't have to ask if, <laughs> and hope they are, because they are. Because obviously 8 million downloads later, yeah. uh, they have been very effective. Oh, and that's, God, yeah. that's, that's <laughs> awesome. So we see this power of, of media now. And, and then we know that, that upcoming is the, the year of the new evangelization. And so I want to talk a little bit about, about you know, your great Catholicism series, but then sort of like the, the next step yeah. of that. Tell us about Catholicism, the new evangelization. What is that? Well, it came from uh, two trips I made in 2012. So the series came out fall of 2011. In 2012, I was invited to go to Australia for two weeks and then to England for two weeks to sort of roll out the series. So we said, well, why don't we bring a film crew along and to film just you know some of my talks but also film the whole experience and people on the ground and church leaders. and So it was just kind of a vague idea we had. that Let's take advantage of these two kind of interesting trips coming up. Also, we thought to two very secularized countries, Australia and England. And what can we learn about evangelization, about the church, etc.? So again, it was kind of an experiment. A lot of our work uh, begins that way. Like, well, let's just try something, see what happens. So we flew the crew over with me to Australia. I was there for two weeks. They were there, I think, for maybe nine days. Uh, we couldn't quite afford to keep everyone there the whole time. But um, they filmed a lot of my talks. And as I say, from Cardinal Pell to you know, the teen club in Melbourne, we filmed all kinds of people right. over there. Then England, the same drill. They went over with me, and I, I gave a number of talks. And then a lot of other people they talked to. Then we got home and we supplemented it with lots of interviews in, in our country, including with people like George Weigel, uh, Ross Douthat. You know that name? He's the uh, columnist of the New York Times. One of the only sort of conservative Catholic voices that you'll hear in that context. Very good guy, very articulate. He did interviews with us. Uh, Brad Gregory is a professor at Notre Dame who's very fine, 
a deeply Catholic take on the world. And we interviewed all these different folks. Uh, and then we put it together. And that's the, the new uh, documentary. It's not like the Catholicism series, which is just like my voice taking you all the way through. Right. I'm the narrator of this one, but we have a lot of other voices. And the idea, I structured it according to John Paul's uh, idea, that it has to be new in ardor, new in expression, and new in method. So those are the three divisions. And we have roughly a half hour per uh, topic. So I try to show how the new evangelization has got to have this new ardor. And, like, what happened to our ardor? Why did it go away right. after the council? How do we get it back? The second one is new expression. So, like, that's a lot of the work that I do is try to find a way to make the age-old faith compelling to people today. Then the third section is new methods. So it's people like yourself. It's how are people using the new media? How can right. you do it? So that's the structure of the new thing. The, our purpose, our hope is... It helps people understand what the new evangelization is. This term is being knocked around so much, and the popes have been using it. But what what is it exactly? We're trying to put our finger on that. Um, so I've got. I, I just got uh, my little box uh, sitting on my desk. I'm the DRE at my parish, and so um, I haven't even been able to go through it and start looking at it. Uh, I'm excited by it, but. Help us understand how people might experience this. Do they, is it something that's going to happen maybe at their parish? Is it a, something they do like a little Bible study? Is yep. it a big thing? How, how, does, it, how does one experience well, this? Well, it could be all those. Again, it's not like the original series, which is you know, 10 parts, 10 hours. It's a you know, long sort of program. This one I think you could watch easily in three sittings. So each section is only a half hour long. We have a really good study program. It was put together by um, a Brandon Vaught. Do you know Brandon? Yeah. Have we not interviewed him a couple of times? Or I, I think I saw him on one of the clips that you've done. Yes, and he's uh, one of the really great young figures in the new evangelization right. using the media. Uh, so Brandon wrote the study program, and it's very good. So I think if people watch a half hour of it, they hear these various voices, and now they walk through it with the study program, they'll have a really good idea. Of what the new evangelization is, hmm. and so w- what are your what are your hopes? Uh, you know, at the end of this, I mean, I, I, I think I have a, kind of an idea. Like, well, we want the church to be bigger, you know. But but what is it that we that we really need to when we when we experience and we see, uh, you know, this you know new ardor, uh, new uh, in the methods, expression, expression and, and methods. Method, yeah. What what do we what are we to take from that individually? What's what's going to happen then? Well, I hope it, it inspires people to. Uh, jump on the boat of the new evangelization, I mean, which is the call of everybody. So I hope once you have a better idea of what it is and how to do it, that you'll do it. Um, so that's my hope that it might send people out into the world with a new passion for the uh, evangelization. But don't you think that a lot of people sort of feel like that's somebody else's job? Or for up to this point, we've had that, that problem yeah. with how do you get people inspired because people have been trying that for 2,000 years, right? It's been difficult, I think, to get people to understand that individually we're all, we're all called yeah. to evangelize. And that's really that's the purpose of this thing is to convince people of that and then give them some tools or show them resources. See, here's how people are doing it. Um, here are some of the, the expressions you might use that will be effective. Or, like what are we up against in the culture? So I've learned a lot about that, not just from books, but from direct experience now. When you put up all these YouTube videos and then you get flooded with comments, as you do, mm-hmm. most of which are negative. That's the way it goes in that world. Right. But what you find out pretty quickly is, oh, that's what's bugging people. That's what they don't like. You know. So I try to bring some of that to this uh, video. I hope that people, once they know that, they have a better sense of the culture, what's blocking, how do you, how do you make the Christian message appealing that they might be willing to do it 
And then to show, look, there are a lot of people using these new methods. You can too, you know. And then the ardor, I hope that's for everybody. Just how do you get a renewed sense of passion for this thing? Um, you know, I, I want to reach across the table and just check and see, it, like, if you got, like, rhino skin or something. Because, you know, that whole thing with the yeah. feedbacks. Trust Sorry, me, it's just a few times yeah. as I've, uh, you know, if I've preached something and, and maybe it lit somebody on fire, but in, uh, maybe in a bad way, I've had a couple of where it's like you just kind of, you, you don't want to feel personal about it. But you know what? I can't imagine on the level that you're talking about with 8 million, uh, you yeah. know, hits or downloads or views and how many more million comments. And so many of those, I've read many of them. And it's like, wow, uh, whoo, there's a it's lot tough. of... I was at first surprised. You know, when I first started this work, I didn't know you could make comments on YouTube videos. I found out quickly. And then I was, I was surprised by the vehemence and the negativity. Now I'm used to it. And, of course, but, everyone talks about that. The com boxes are famously kind of right. aggressive and so on. Well, because there's a lot of anonymity, right? People can yeah. say anything they want, so it's like there's no filter, and it right. just kind of pours out. Years ago, if you heard something or read something and you didn't like it, well, you sit down and you have to write a letter and then send it to the editor and then he'd have to open it up, look at it, and say, oh, this guy's an idiot. I'm not going to, you know. Right. There, as you say, there were a lot of filters. Now, I don't like that. Boom, boom, boom. And I'll just write something. And anonymously. So there's that problem. But what I try to do, there really is a kind of spirituality around it, is to say, okay, some of these are just either obscene or they're just ridiculous. But others, you say, well, you know, behind that comment, i got to remind myself, <laughs> there's a human being. Mm. Behind that comment that is so aggressive and so dismissive, there's a human being who, for some reason, is on my site. You know, he's, he, he or she, usually he, I think, from, from the tenor from the, of these things, which, again, I like. The fact that these YouTube videos appeal to a lot of men in their 20s and 30s, a group of churches has a hard time reaching. Well, at least this angry 30-something guy is on my site. And found something worth watching and worth getting mad about. I can work with that. Yeah. It's like you know the old uh, uh, you can tack against a, a counter wind. You know if you're a good sailor, hey, I can work with that. Even though it's blowing the wrong way, I can work with it. I, I think that way too. Like, all right, I can work with this. There's something now. I get some traction. I know what this guy's mad about, and I can say, look, here's what you need to do, and here's how you should look at it differently. So I savor that. I savor that. I also have tried. I tell my students is at the seminary is always to pray for these people. So at the end of the day, I don't know who they are. They're using some name. On the, I don't right. know who they're. But Lord, bless everyone who talked to me today on this website. Or if there's someone who's sometimes people hang in there with you for for days, even weeks, or arguing. You know, Lord, please bless whatever his name is you right. know, that I've been fighting with. Um, but I can work with that. I don't mind that. Well, that's, that's inspiration, I think, also for a lot of people who hear this and think, one of the reasons why I don't want to engage people, I don't want to have the conversation, I, I don't want to have a debate. Yeah. I don't either, A, feel prepared about my own faith to know enough to help convince the yeah. atheist, right? But at the same time, I'm scared that they're going to do this shout-out thing, and I don't, I don't want to be in that. So I'll just be quiet. Yeah. No, I know. But see, I, I've told, again, my students uh, at the seminary, we got to be happy warriors. you got to get in the arena. Uh, when the Christopher Hitchens of the world come forward, and boy, they did, and they have, believe me, an army of followers out there, young people that are echoing all the phraseology of Hitchens and Dawkins, the new atheists, we need to get in the arena. Now, joyfully and nonviolently and with the full Christian spirit, yes, but armed. You know, we have a very rich intellectual tradition. I'll tell you a story 
about her radio interview. This is many years ago. Hitchens and company had just really been going strong, you know, so that people wanted... I know what it was. I wrote an article about why Christians should pray for Christopher Hitchens when he was right. sick. So they interviewed me. And we went... This guy was aggressive, this radio interviewer, and he was really coming back at the church. So I'm arguing with him. At the end, he says to me, Father, at least would you admit that Christopher Hitchens made you Catholics think about a lot of these things for the first time? So I paused to let my annoyance sink in. <laughs> and I said, I represent the oldest intellectual tradition in the West. I said, trust me when I tell you we did not need Christopher Hitchens to, to make us think <laughs> about these things. We have this very rich intellectual tradition. We need young Catholics especially to know it well enough to get right in the arena with the new atheists and, and do battle nonviolently and with respect and all those good things. But by God doing battle, you know. The trouble is, after the council, when I was coming of age, we threw away apologetics. It was bad form. It was unecumenical. It was defensive, rationalistic, et cetera, et cetera. Well, then so you have a whole generation that is completely untrained in apologetics. How do you defend the faith? What are the typical objections? How do you meet them, you know? And that's too bad because when they came after us, we didn't have the weapons. We had thrown them away. And I think yeah. a lot of Catholics... Look at the early debates with Hitchens. What's pathetic about him is how often Christians were just unable to counter him. And he's, you know, nothing new in Hitchens. It's, right. it's the old atheist stuff, you know, from Feuerbach and Marx and everybody else. Um, we have darn good arguments against that. We have darn good uh, theologies that we can present. But often our own spokespersons couldn't do it. That's too bad. Well, That's we're, too bad. we're working on that, and now we have we have Catholicism, we have Catholicism, the new evangelization, and we have Word on Fire. We have all these tools, all these arrows in our quiver, as it were. Yeah, and uh, go on, on Brandon Vaught's site uh, called Strange Notions. Okay, which is his explicit attempt to engage atheists. Awesome. And go on his site. And he's got like he's got twenty arguments for God's existence, and drawn from the great tradition. He has like you know there's a thirty objections to Christianity and how to answer them. Brandon's been very good little warrior in there. That's fantastic. Thanks for the recommendation. We'll do that. And Father Barron, thank you so much for joining us here in the Catholic Cafe. We I, know you got I a busy like schedule. this little corner um, booth, and it had darn good French fries. There you go. See, that's for and and you won't get any negative comments by the way here. All the no. patrons of the Catholic Cafe are very They're friendly. Very nice. Absolutely. I appreciate <laughs> that. Very yeah. good. And good fries. Father Barron, would you uh, would you lead us in a little closing prayer? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your many gifts to us. We thank you for the gift of your word. Give us, Lord, the ability to convey that word with passion and with compelling and convincing power. We give you thanks for the new evangelization, this opportunity to propagate the gospel. Lord, bless us in that effort. We give you thanks for this radio program, for others like it. We give you thanks for all the good people who make this program possible. And I ask your blessing on all the listeners here, that of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stive, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe. There's always room for one more at our table. <laughs>